And as we look at the economy and what's been happening with rent, with mortgages, we see that as something that's going to affect the market, but also housing prices. Mm-hmm. And so, your personal finances. Exactly, because we all have homes or we're all renting. Right, <laughs> we all live right. somewhere. And so let's talk about how does that impact you today? What are you experiencing today? And potentially, what will happen six months from now, 12 months, 18 months from now? Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo. And in this episode of Getting Money Right, we're continuing our series where we've been digging into economics, uh, social sciences, even a little bit of political science, and some major personal behavior, uh, really facts, things that just humans do, how we relate uh, in our transactions and in the economy, and how this affects your life, your personal behaviors, but also others' behaviors that influence us. So we've been talking about economic realities and how the financial system works, and we spent a couple episodes really digging into product productivity growth and long-term debt cycles and short-term debt cycles. And we're going to apply some of that information today to uh, what I see is really a housing issue that's coming up in the next 12 to 18 months. And we're going to look at the big picture economy, the macro economy, how this might affect your personal finances and what to do um, in the housing market today. We're going to have some recommendations at the end. And so, uh, Leo, do you want to share anything from the last couple episodes, or do you want to dig right in? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do, actually. I I want to just emphasize the fact that the time we spent over the last three episodes to really lay down a better understanding, hopefully, for you of how the economy, one, works, how our spending affects that economy, but also how we're able to determine when these debt and short-term cycles take a turn, for the better or for the worse, so that we can avoid those pitfalls of suffering through that Mm -hmm. down cycle. Uh, And again, we said from the beginning that your individual spending not only contributes to the economy as a whole, but it affects your personal economy. Mm -hmm. So you and I have a lot of control in how our finances work and how our own economy is by how we spend our money. And so what we want to talk about today is how the housing market, something that we see, again, as we talked about the market, we talked about multiple markets, right? We said that mm-hmm. there's the stock market and there's the oil and gas market and there's different markets. So there's a housing market. In fact, the 2008 recession was due to the housing market bubble. Everything bust and we saw foreclosures at high rates. And so that affected spending, affected borrowing, affected so many different things. So we're kind of seeing that happening. So now that we have a better understanding of how the economy works and how the markets work, the housing market is a big contributor to our economy. Because so much is based on that, right? The production, people's jobs, their supply, right? Home Depot, Lowe's, these kind of organizations that are very large all over the country, a lot of people spend money there. So if the housing market is doing well and people are upgrading and making renovations, then the whole economy is affected in so many different ways. So the housing market has an impact that's very significant. And as we look at the economy and what's been happening with rent, with mortgages, we see that as something that's going to affect the market, but also housing prices. Mm-hmm. And so, your personal finances. Exactly, because we all have homes or we're all renting. Right? <laughs> we all live right. somewhere. And so let's talk about how does that impact you today? What are you experiencing today? And potentially, what will happen six months from now, 12 months, 18 months from now? Because one, you could either be unprepared 
and just say, gosh, it happened again and I wasn't prepared. Or you can have some insight and look a little further down the road and potentially actually look at an opportunity that's rather right. than a disaster. Yeah. So that's what we want to prepare you to do. Well, let's start with where we are today in the country. And so I don't know if you realize this, but 32% of households, 32%, that's about one third, wow. uh, have missed rent or missed a mortgage payment mm-hmm. uh, in the last month. That that's was in huge. August. That's huge. That, uh, I mean, that's incredible. One out of three have either missed a rent payment or are late on a rent payment or a mortgage payment. One out of three people. Mm -hmm. That's where we are today. That is a huge number. Now, uh, this is the fourth straight month that about one third of people in the the U.S. have missed a payment or weren't on time with a payment. Now, the good news is a lot of these people end up making it up by the end of the month. But then they're several weeks behind for the next month and Mm -hmm. several weeks behind for the next month. And so... This is, this is where we stand today. People yeah. are, are not able to pay in full, one-third. That's massive. Now, um, what this is leading to is forbearance. And forbearance is something that was put into the CARES Act. And Leo, as soon as the kind of coronavirus and pandemic started, we did a whole episode on the CARES Act. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was in there is basically this word forbearance, where you can pause your monthly payments to your landlord, to the property owner, if you're paying rent or to uh, your bank. Let's say that you own a home and that Mm -hmm. you're making mortgage payments to your bank. You can make a pause in those monthly payments. You can forbear. You can push it down the road a little bit. Uh, But here's the thing. It doesn't erase what you owe. That's true. So let's say I owe $1,000 a month. Well, I can push it back a month, but that means that the next month I owe the first thousand plus the next thousand. Right. And then if I push it back another month, that means I owe another thousand on top of that. So three months of forbearance, well, actually just two months of forbearance means I owe $3,000 at the end, right? And so every month that I push it back, it stacks up. So at the end of six months, which is what the original language in the CARES Act says, hey, you can take six months of forbearance. If it was $1,000 a month at the end of that forbearance, you owe $6,000 to your bank. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't eliminate what you owe. It keeps accruing. Um, and then you've got to pay that in the future at some point. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other thing about the CARES Act is that it said is six months, but there is an opportunity to extend it another six months. Yeah. So this is why we're going to talk about a 12 to 18 month window of the future, mm-hmm. because people, some people are going to only do six months of forbearance. Some people are going to do 12 months of forbearance. Then you're going to have a little window of time where the economy adjusts to that. And then you're going to have some major changes in the housing market. Yeah. So a couple of things to consider here, though. When you're talking about forbearance, you're really talking about that to someone that owns the property, not a renter. Now, the people who are not paying their rent are renting from a landlord that probably has a mortgage payment. So in order for that landlord to continue to make the payments, if they're not getting rent and they don't have their own money to pay into it, then they're probably applying for forbearance to their bank Mm -hmm. where they borrowed for this property that you're living in. So it's affecting the housing market, even if you're a renter, if you're renting from anywhere and you're not paying your rent, it's affecting someone else that has the mortgage on that uh, home or rental property or whatever. So what's happening now, you've got a significant amount of loans that are being that have forbearance on them, mm-hmm. meaning they're not being paid. Now, the good thing is it doesn't affect... Uh, delinquency on the credit reports for these owners. Yeah, that's the, part of the CARES Act. They part said of the CARES you Act can't is, make this affect their credit report. Exactly. So, so they're protected in, as far as their credit is concerned, and there are no penalties if 
you apply for forbearance and you're, you know, you're not making those payments. Mm -hmm. However, as David said, you still have to pay them. It doesn't erase the debt. It just takes a couple of the negative sides to going through forbearance. One, it's not reported. Number two, there's no fees associated with it. However, at the end of whenever the forbearance period ends, you will have to connect with the bank and decide how are you going to make up for this 6000 They might give you six months. They might give you 12 months. They might give you any amount of time that that adequate for them and you in order to have you pay back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll allow you to put that at the end of the loan. So instead of, let's say, paying the mortgage off by a certain date, which was the original, it'll be six months later because mm -hmm. you'll just continue to make payments until you're fully paid off. And that is really, I mean, if, you, if you're in this situation, personally, that would be the ideal scenario. Yeah. Uh, if you miss six months of payments and then they just add that to the back end of the mortgage, hopefully, you know, after that six months of missed payments, you're back at work, you have an income, you can make your payments and then it gets tacked on to the end. Now that's, that's a dream scenario. It's not a guarantee. No, this really depends on your bank. Each bank is handling this a little bit differently. That's right. And so some banks are going to say, no, we we're demanding that you pay it in full. Now they may say we demand you pay it in full and therefore take out a second loan. Like, Hey, you owed a $6,000. We're going to give you another loan for $6,000, but not at your normal 4% interest no. rate. No, it's gonna we're going to give it yeah, at a 10% lean... interest rate, right? They're yep. going to, it's not going to be comfortable mm -hmm. and you have negotiation power but the bank also has a lot of leverage because yep. they're the ones with the money. Yeah, your options may be that you want to refinance and then move to another lender. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the interest rates are low, so you might be okay. As long as your credit's good, you might be able to do that. However, for some people who refinanced recently because the rates went down, mm -hmm. that won't be an option because you can't refinance right away within at least one or two years after you've done yeah. it. Yeah, and if you refinance, if you missed six months of payment, that's six months of equity that you've also just lost right. as well. Like right. when you refinance, if you're behind, you still have to make that payment. Yeah, you're going to have to pay when you sell. Right. So you can only really refinance if you have equity, which hopefully a lot of people do. But that's a this is some, this is kind of a nuanced situation. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting to look at this. And there's another scenario where the bank may say, okay, hey, you owe us, you know, six thousand dollars. We're going to give you an extra two years to pay that off. Mm -hmm. So if your payment was one thousand dollars a month, we'll charge you one thousand two hundred dollars a month. Right. Well, you know, we'll charge you an extra two hundred a month for the next couple of years and pay off. There are a few different ways to work this out. Sure. But this is very. Very interesting. <laughs> um, right now, today, about about eight and a half percent of all loans are in forbearance. Yeah, and now that's huge. Yeah, it is. It's a significant amount of it's loans about and homes. Eight times as much as it was right before the pandemic. Yeah. So, in in any given market in the economy in the U.S. It, there's going to be a number of homes that are in forbearance. This is a normal thing, not normal in this mass scale where the government steps in and says forbearance is yeah. the next step. But, but in this, but, it, but just having forbearance, it happens, but it's 1% of loans. Now, eight times that many loans are having this forbearance. Mm -hmm. This affects the economy because remember, one person's spending mm -hmm. becomes another person's income. Yep. Right now, what we're seeing is people are not making their payments. That means they're not spending Right. Which means that somebody is missing out on income. Yeah, either a landlord or a bank is losing money. Either the landlord or the bank. So so let's play this out. Um, and Leo, let's use you as an example. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, uh, this isn't going to be exactly real world, but you have a rental property. Mm -hmm. So imagine that your renters stop paying. Right. The government has told you as the owner that you cannot evict them. That's right. Okay, full stop right there. <laughs> like, let's just hold on that for one second. The government 
has told you, you own this property. This is your property. Yeah. You paid for it, right, in full. You, right. I mean, let, let's say you built the home. You didn't build this one, but let's say you built it. Just imagine, like, imagine you're a pioneer. You go out, you build a house, you own it completely, and the government says, hey, other people have to live there for free for six months. <laughs> yeah. You cannot remove them from right, the house. It? It's a little bit strong on the part oh of the government. Gosh, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> now, on the one hand, there's the, the sympathetic side to say, hey, you know, we're taking care of those people that are in the house. Uh, on the other side, we're really kind of voluntary. Yeah, it's not voluntary. We're kind of punching yeah. the person that owns the house. That's a little bit. That's a little bit scary. Let me just say that right now, from a government, you know, control standpoint, that could be a little bit scary. So, first and foremost, these people stop paying rent, and this is not real life. But let's say this happened: they stop paying rent. Now, for six months, you Leo don't have any income from that property but you still have a mortgage payment on it That's right. Uh, in this scenario. Yeah. So, so now you are six months behind on your mortgage. So now you have to apply for forbearance. Right. And so now, now you are not paying rent for six months, hopefully able to push it to the back of the loan like we just talked about. So, okay, the original renter's not paying. Now the landowner isn't paying. Mm-hmm. Now it goes back to the bank. And the bank is saying, hey, we just missed out on six months of payments. Mm -hmm. And sure, we can add it to the back of the loan, but that's $6,000 in this made-up scenario that we talked about, you know, $6,000 payments of of lost income. Mm -hmm. And even if they get that $6,000 30 years later at the end of the loan, or let's say it's 20 years. It affects them now. So think about this. The banks are having $6,000 less income, which means $6,000 less lending Mm -hmm. that they are going to do. Right. And when they lend less, then that means that there's less borrowing and income going out into the economy. And less productivity. Less productivity. Which affects jobs, which affects all of it. Yes. Now, the government has not said how they're going to make the banks whole. Uh, Obviously, we know the government has a... Uh, penchant to kind of bail the banks out. Mm-hmm. We saw this in 2008. And so we know the Fed can print money. We know the Fed can keep interest rates low. Uh, so maybe the Fed says, hey, we're going to, maybe Congress writes a new law and says, you know what, the government will pay that 6000 And maybe they don't even pay the 6000 Hold that number. Let's say you're paying, you know, a couple percentage interest. Maybe they just pay the interest for those missed months. And mm-hmm. they say, hey, add the principal to the back of the loan. Right. That's we'll where you'll get your six you grand. Lost. But yep. we'll pay you the interest that you lost, plus maybe the time value of money for having to push $6,000 to the back of this loan. Right. So maybe another couple interest points. This is a complex system. The government has not said how they're going to handle this. Mm-hmm. The government, first and foremost, just said, hey, you property owners, you cannot remove somebody from your house legally if they aren't paying. That's all they've said so far. Now, we're anticipating that legislation will come. But this is, this is a microcosm. This is like, it's, it's one part of the economy, but it has a huge effect on the whole economy. Yeah. Because as payments are missed, incomes go down, spending goes down, uh, we see that recessionary cycle begin, and that's where we're standing today. Yeah, and the problem with it is that it's not only affecting, obviously, those individuals, it's going to affect the economy, and that affects jobs. So it has this long-term effect because one person or multiple people that aren't paying are not putting both productivity and money into the system to help this thing keep going. So what happens now 12 months from now when all of this kind of shakes out? Well, the reality is that some of those forbearance situations will end up in foreclosures, mm-hmm. right? 
And this is where we want to kind of shift what we're going to talk about today and say, what do you, if you're in that situation where you're a homeowner and put, you either lost your job or you've lost some of your income, and now you're in that situation where you apply for forbearance, you haven't paid for the last two, maybe three months, and you still got three, four months or so before you have to make a payment, what should you do? Should you stay where you're at? Should you consider that maybe right now because the housing market is still actually really good? That's the interesting thing is the housing market is actually good because, and this is interesting because, again, inflation, supply and demand drives prices up. Well, right now, because so many people are staying put in their homes under this forbearance protection, mm -hmm. house, there's less houses on the market, right? less, less refinancing. So the housing market is actually doing really well. There's not as much inventory. So people are looking for homes, people that are looking to buy a home maybe for the first time or relocating, they can't find enough homes. So that's driven the price of homes up. Because mm -hmm. you can't, if let's say somebody's not paying rent right now in your rental property, you can't sell it. <laughs> you can't sell I it. I mean, you could sell it, but only, but the buyer would have to be willing yeah. to live with somebody do that? <laughs> in their property not paying rent. So, right. so you can't sell it. Um, other people don't have an incentive to sell right now because there's not a lot of inventory on the market. Correct. So people have been holding on and, and it's kind of a faux, it's like a fake heightened price in the housing market right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But we know that as soon as these forbearances start to end, yeah. as uh, foreclosures start again, evictions start again, then all of a sudden, let, let's say that in this fictitious scenario, you didn't receive payment for six months. Mm -hmm. And then you found out that, hey, for the next year, these people probably aren't going to be able to make payments. But now the government allows you to evict them yep. because you're going to go look for renters sure. again. I need somebody to make the payments. Right. Sure. Now, you're going to be looking for renters, which means you're going to put the house back on the market, maybe not for sale, but for rent. Right. Uh, some people are going to sell their house as soon as that becomes an option. If that happens across the whole economy, let's say 8%, we're talking about 8% being in forbearance, 8.5% right now. If 8% of the homes in the whole country went on the market at the same time, mm -hmm. that would drive put prices a way down. ton of houses on the market. So anybody going to buy is going to say, well, why would I buy this house for 200000 yeah. when I can make you compete with that house for $170,000? Yeah. And, and they're going to push the prices lower and lower and lower. Yeah. And so we're we're gonna see. I believe. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. This is, it's always tricky with the, how the government decides to spend its money that it is printing, mm -hmm, <laughs> and mm -hmm. how inflation will be affected in the future. But I believe that around twelve months from now, we'll start to see a shift in the housing market. Mm -hmm. I think it'll peak eighteen months from now. And I say peak. We'll see a, a decline, a well, noticeable decline, eighteen months from now, and 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 home prices yeah, much and lower. Consider that some of the people that are in this situation that are in forbearance, they're there because they lost their job. Yeah, I think good people are not just applying for it because they don't no. want to spend the money. No, no, no. No, they want to keep their home. They want to continue to pay it. But if you lost your job and there's no income coming in, they can't just sell it. Where are they going to go? Right? If they don't have a job, mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to rent somewhere. So they're just saying, you know, I know I can't make the payment. I don't have a job. The income stopped, but at least I have a roof over my head. So they're kind of staying in that position. Right. Well, when that forbearance ends and they still can't make the payment and the job's still not there, mm -hmm. or it's not at the level they used to be, they're either going to foreclose or, or they're going to be forced to sell. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have a, some of those situations. I don't know what percentage of that will happen. Some there's there's debate out there, by the way, because I read quite a bit on it. And there's debate whether this is going to be similar to the Great Recession, worse than the Great Recession, 
talking about uh, foreclosure in the housing market, or if it's gonna actually going to be nothing like it. So there's different scenarios and different views on this. But ultimately, when people don't pay, and when there's no income coming into the economy, it's going to have a negative effect. We talked mm-hmm. about this in the last three episodes. When people don't spend, the economy starts to take a dive. Businesses aren't increasing. They're actually shedding jobs. We know that. You look at the travel industry, right? Airlines, uh, Airbnb, so many of oh, those yeah. are down Big time. and will not recover very quickly because unemployment is still fairly high compared to what it was before the pandemic. So none of these things are going to be magically erased doesn't matter how much money the, the Fed prints. So those things is what we're looking at and saying, we believe that the housing market is, is going to be directly impacted by those factors. And whether it's foreclosure, whether it's people having less income because of lost jobs, having to sell, there's going to be a flooding of the market with inventory, either forcibly or people will voluntarily yeah. put it up. And so what we want to do is talk about that with you. If you're in that situation, you may be in a safe place. Uh, you may be thinking this is the only place I could actually afford right now. But if you stay there and you eventually lose it, if there's any equity in your home Mm -hmm. right now and you stand to lose that, it's better to pull the trigger now. While the housing market is still high, while you still have equity on your side that you can cash out on, because you can use that equity to potentially pay for rent for the next six months. It's not ideal. You don't want to burn that up, but at least you can make it for the next six months until you get another job and you replace your income. But if you do nothing and just kind of push it off, and I believe many people are doing this. They're not looking six months down the road. Mm -mm. They're hoping that things will get better, that their job will return, but you have no guarantees. And it's always hard to make that shift to say, I'm living in this house and I'm going to go on rent. And sometimes it's hard because of family dynamic. Maybe the size of your family doesn't allow you to move into a two-bedroom apartment. You not have to be in a home. Yeah, like, so like you maybe are have you could to, do it, but it's, but not, it's comfortable. not going to be mm-hmm. easy. So we're not driven to make those changes drastically because it affects our lifestyle and how we feel about our life. But we always want to talk to you from both the wisdom of how you spend your money today, but knowing that your future is impacted by the decisions you make today. So if you look down the road six months, 12 months, and you know from what we're looking at, we believe there's going to be a significant. I don't think it's going to be as bad as the 2008 uh, situation, but I still believe there's going to be a downturn. We would hate to see you get caught up into that right, and right. suffer financially because of it. And really, it is the best time to sell right now. Prices are still high. There, Like David said, there's this inflation in home prices because there's no inventory or very little inventory. And maybe 12 months from now, when your jobs return and everything else, mm-hmm. you can actually buy a similar house for a lot cheaper. Who knows? This actually could turn for your good. Right. Now, we're projecting into the future. You never know exactly what's going to happen, no. but all the indicators uh, we're hitting, we're going into a recession. Uh, we have high unemployment. People are not in jobs. We have forbearances coming. All of these indicators, if forbearances, it will lead to more evictions, it will lead yeah, to more we'll foreclosures. foreclosures yeah. Right. All of these indicators, uh, we saw this in 2008, not the exact scenario, but when, when employment, unemployment goes up, when uh, all of this stuff starts to happen, mm-hmm. when the bubble popped in 2008, when yeah. all these things happen, you, you know, okay, home prices can't stay where they are. No. Uh, they've got to go down. And honestly, I mean, this is, I was actually thinking along these lines a little bit um, before yeah. the pandemic hit yeah. because we were in this cycle of the last 
you know, from 2010, basically 2009 to to 2020, the economy had just gone straight up. I mean, a few little loop downs, but overall the economy had been up, 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 up. So our housing prices were pretty much at an all-time high. Our Mm -hmm. economy, our stock market was at an all-time high. Several different markets were at an all-time high. Yeah, well, to give you a real-life example, we sold our last home in 2009, in October, Mm -hmm. and moved into this house. Mm Mm-hmm. It was cheaper than the one we sold. We downsized, right? Yeah. Our house is now worth double what we paid 10 years ago. So that just tells you in the housing market how much that has increased. Mm -hmm. I never experienced that anywhere else. I've had two homes prior to this one. And in both of those homes, I saw maybe a 15 to 20% increase over a 6 to 10-year period, but not a 100% increase. Right, right. And, And so that's not realistic, guys. I mean, if you as old as I am, you'll realize this is not normal. In some markets, you can get in there at the right time, and there's people that are smarter than me that know and can predict when that's going to happen. But for most of us, we buy the house, we live in it long enough, we'll see a steady increase. And that's actually a healthy thing, is when you see this explosion like it happened in Florida, in Arizona, in Las Vegas, and when that happened and the economy hit in 2008 and the the bubble burst, those properties went down to half or third of the value that they were. I mean, I remember I was coaching a couple who had, I think, somewhere between 10 or 12 properties in the Las Vegas area. And they couldn't sell them. Nobody would buy them. Nobody would buy them, right? Right? So they had to continue to make payments on these houses that were completely empty, boarded up until the economy recovered. And it took time. Right. Because how do you recover? You bought the house and it's at half the price. Right. Well, it's not going to jump up like it did the first time. So I don't know that they ever actually recovered. I know they hung on to it for several years and eventually sold them. But, man, you don't want to get caught in a situation Mm -mm. like that. Mm -mm. And and we see that as a potential. Not that the housing market will half. We don't think that's going to happen. But there will be a step down. Mm -hmm. And we're more concerned about your individual personal economy. How is that going to affect you? And think about your house is just a place where you live, right? You could always buy another house. You mm-hmm. could always find another way to uh, to provide for your family that way. And many people have made significant wealth gains by seeing where the market was, selling at a high, and then two years later, they come in and buy basically the same home for half the price. Um, we're not saying to do that. That's not what we're trying to peddle, so to speak. But we are trying to say, if you're in a situation where economically you're being challenged, you're in this forbearance situation, it may make sense for you to look and say, hey, why don't I just cash in right now? I'll have some money. I can park my money, so to speak, for a while, my equity out of my home and wait for this thing to to come back. Because either way, what we don't want is to see you six months from now Mm -hmm. fighting in a foreclosure and potentially not only losing that house, but even the equity in that house. That's right. That would be painful. Well, I really hope that this episode's been helpful. I hope that it's helped cast a little bit of light on the scenario that we're in, the statistics that are real hard facts today. Uh, When I say hard, I don't just mean that they're solid figures. I mean that this is hard. This is a hard thing to recognize and to realize. And so I hope that it's at least been helpful to have a little bit of a vision of the future, to be able to project forward a little bit and say, what are things going to look like 12 to 18 months from now? Uh, If you've been saving, if you've been saving before you spend, if you've been spending on purpose, living with margin, investing wisely, then you may actually be at the place right now where you've got some savings and you're thinking of investing. That's right. Perfect. Hold on to it. Hold on to it for another 12 to 18 months and be looking for a deal 
18 months from now. So this can help you if you're in the investment phase of your life. This can help you if you're in a place of pain right now and things are a struggle and you're trying to figure out, should I sell my house today or should I try to hold on to it even though I can't make the payments? This having a little bit of a a window into the future that is much more clear than normal. Usually it's not this easy to see that far into the future, but this is, this is almost as clear as it gets. There's no promises in the world, but no, no guarantees, but this is almost as clear as it gets. I hope that this has been helpful for you. I hope that you'll share it with somebody. I hope that you'll let other people that you know and that you love, will you let them know what's coming? Uh, Either explain it to them personally or give them a link to this episode of Getting Money Right. Uh, And if you want to spend more time with Leo and learn from him, Leo, where can people find you? Well, you can go to leosabor.com. And by the way, that's where you can find the show notes and more episodes uh, of Getting Money Right, which we hope that you'll go back and listen to some of the content that we've developed over the last two and a half years. We have tried to do our best to provide just basic financial advice, but also digging into some of the things that will help you to increase your wealth. We don't think wealth is the answer to everything, but we do know that when you have margin, when you have more than you need, it positions you in a situation where you can not only provide for your family more Mm -hmm. than adequate, but you can be a help to others. It can put you in a position where you're actually fulfilling the very purpose why you were created. So go to leosaber.com. There's a bunch of resources there that you can benefit from. And if you just want to find me and connect with me, you can do that through all social media channels, yeah. just look me up and you'll find me. That's great. If you want to come hang out with me, head over to stewardshippastors.com, learn a little bit more about what the Bible has to say about finances and being a good steward of everything that God has entrusted to you. And I just really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. We look forward to having you join us the next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money right. situation where economically you're being challenged, you're in this forbearance situation, it may make sense for you to look and say, hey, why don't I just cash in right now? I'll have some money. I can park my money, so to speak, for a while, my equity out of my home and wait for this thing to to come back. Mm -hmm.